I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 122. Tucked into the uh, Hebrew Psalter is a whole little group of psalms called Psalms of Ascent. Um, Psalms 120 through 134. And they were psalms that the pilgrims would sing on their annual pilgrimages, pilgrimages to Jerusalem. Uh, there were at least three times that every Israelite male and um, their whole families were invited to come as well, if they were healthy, that they were expected to ascend to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Uh, two times in the spring, once at Passover, uh, once a few weeks later at the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, and then in the fall, the Feast of Tabernacles, on those three occasions, Every Israelite male was expected to be in the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And these psalms are sung on those occasions. So they're pilgrim songs. They're songs for the journey. And as I said, they start at Psalm 120. They go to Psalm 134. But we only get two psalms in and we realize that we already need a rest area, right? That's what Psalm 122 is about. It's about rest areas. And so we're going to talk about rest areas this morning. Let's, um, let's read the psalm together. And if, if you have your own Bibles, it's always better. If you have a pew Bible, that's good. But keep them open because we're just going to walk through the psalm together this morning. Okay, Psalm 122. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, yes. Rest areas. Um, how many remember Gary Smalley and John Trent? Those are some old names, um, old family counselors, often guests on Dobson. But um, Gary Smalley was the, the humorous guy. John Trent was the straight man. You know, they always had this thing going and... And I remember Gary Smalley talking once, we were at a conference, and he said, uh, one of the problems with relationships in America is that the American male is far too competitive. He said, I don't know about 
males from other countries, but he said, the American male, I've dealt with them enough. I know that they're too competitive. And this doesn't stop when they get into a relationship with a woman, when they have a family, when they become a father. In fact, he says it's often even made worse. And he talked about his father getting ready to go on vacation, right? And he'd pack up the car or he'd pack up the van. Uh, Sometimes he'd hook up the boat. And then he said, we would hit the road and it's like the green flag just went down on the Indianapolis 500. He took off. Like we wanted to notch more notches on the steering wheel, you know, and he's passing semis and he's passing other travelers and and he's passing scenic turnouts and, and he's passing historical markers and he's passing rest areas. And the kids in the backseat are saying, Dad, I can really use a rest area. He says, I know you can make it to the next one, right? Hey, some of that has gone on with us. I see a few heads nodding. We lived in some of those families, right? Rest areas are so important. God has put rest areas into our lives, into this pilgrimage that we take together. And Psalm 122 shows us that that these rest areas are important in in at least three ways we want to look at quickly. Um, The first few verses, these rest areas are important because there we we get to reconnect with the king. Okay, that's what priority of these rest areas is. We we reconnect with the king. And and another way of saying that is we, we get the big picture. This is where we get the big picture. You know, I'm of an age now that when I travel, I never pass a rest area. (laughs) And one of the first things I do, of course, is is hit the bathroom because I'm over 70 and I like to drink too much coffee. But the other thing I like to do is I like to go and look at the big map, right? There's always a big map and there's a little sign often with an arrow and it says, you are here. You know, and the paranoid people say, how do they know that? (laughs) But you are here. And so you can see how far you've come. You can kind of get an idea of what's out in front of you. This is the big picture. That's what we do when... When we gather together as God's people, we, we reconnect with the king and, and we get the big picture. It's, it's like a, a learning time. It's an apprenticeship. And, and first of all, the psalmist says it's an apprenticeship in, in rejoicing, in, in praising God. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. This is where the tribes of the Lord go up to praise the name of the Lord, verse 4, according to the statute given to Israel. That's what we do here. We, We come here week after week to learn how to rejoice, to learn how to give praise to God. And we don't always feel like it, do we? If we're 
honest with ourselves. We, we don't always get up on Sunday morning and say, man, I am really looking forward to this. And, and sometimes we, we say, man, I, I can't go to church this morning. I, I, I'm just not feeling it. If I go, I'm going to be a hypocrite. God says, no, that's, that's not hypocrisy. That's obedience. Go to the house of the Lord. Rejoice with the Lord's people according to the statute given to Israel. It's a command. It's not just an invitation. It's a command. We've maybe heard the story of the the guy who woke up on Sunday morning, didn't want to go to church. And he looks at his wife and he says, give me one good reason why I should go to church this morning. He says, I'll do better than that. I'll give you three. Number one, God told you to. Number two, you will feel better if you do, really. And number three, you're the pastor, <laughs> right? Some mornings we don't feel like it. Even pastors don't feel like it, trust me. But we obey and we, we live into it. You know, our psychologists have been telling us this since the 1930s. It is much easier to act your way into a feeling than it is to feel your way into an action. That's true. And I'm sure some of you have experienced it as well. You come here on a Sunday morning and, and, and it's like somebody had to drag you here, but, but after you're here... And after you know, the, the music starts and you're, you're led into the music and you begin to praise and, and we sit under God's word and we share time together in prayer and we go out of here and we feel so much better than when we came. It's like spiritual endorphins, you know, you, you go for a run, you don't want to go for a run, but you go and, and you feel so much better when you come back. Well, that's like worship. God says, do it. Get into this habit of praising me because it's going to be good for you, not just to praise me, but by this, I will bless your life as well. And so we experience it week after week. We reconnect with the king. We, we give him the praise and the honor and the glory that is due. And also, we have this apprenticeship in, in righteousness. We sit under the thrones of judgment, verse 4. You know, we praise the name of the Lord according to the statue given to Israel, but also there stand the thrones for judgment the thrones of the house of David. We, we come to God's house and we not only praise him, but, but we put ourselves under this word, either through song or, or through message. And we say, God, tell me again how I'm to live. Tell me again your plan for my life. Tell me again the, the way that you want me to walk in. You know, when those Old Testament pilgrims went to Jerusalem at least three times a year, if, if they had a, a legal case that had been heard under a local judge, when they got to Jerusalem, 
they could appeal it. And the fortunate ones, the blessed ones, got to sit, because there was a lot of people and there was only one king, but the, the blessed ones got to sit under the judgment of the king of Israel himself, under the throne of David. They would put themselves under his throne and his authority and say, okay, you rule what is right in my life. That's what we do week after week. We come here and we say, God, I want what you want for my life. Show me what that is. That's what I want to live. So at the rest area here, we, we reconnect with the king. We learn again and again how to praise him. We learn how to sit under his word. But there's another thing that rest areas do. I'm, I'm sure you've experienced that as well. They, they allow us to recognize that we're in this with fellow travelers. You know, at the rest area, you, you get out of your camper. You get out of your vehicle. You, you get out of your truck, whatever, and... You actually rub shoulders with other people. You know, maybe those ones that you cut off a little ways back. or um, you, you get to interact with them. Look at Psalm 122. Let us, verse 1, go up to the house of the Lord. Verse 2, our feet are standing in your gates. Verse 3, Jerusalem is built like a city closely compacted together. Verse 4, this is where the tribes go up. When we come together in worship, we, uh, we have this awareness that, that we're in this, and it's about relationships. We're not on this journey alone. I'm not making this pilgrimage by myself. There are all other kinds of pilgrims, and they're going the same direction I am, and, and maybe they're headed for the same destination that I am. And I can learn from them, and, and I can talk with them, and I can share with them. You know, C.S. Lewis once wrote, there is no such thing, no such thing as a solitary Christian. God puts us in community. And so this, this rest area is where we come and we we share each other's burdens. We share each other's joys. We challenge each other. We encourage each other. But it's all about each other and, and one another. It's, it's community. And you know, COVID did a number on churches, period. But one thing COVID gave us was the ability for people who aren't able to be here physically to still be with us by live stream, by internet. And that's, that's a great blessing. But you know what? As much as we love to have you join us by live stream, we'd even much rather have you join us here in person because this is where it happens face-to-face -face in relationship. And God uses this time to, to build us up and, and to, 
to help us face reality too because you know what else we find out at the rest area? That there's a lot of us, but we're really different. <laughs> Boy, some of us are really different, you know. You stop at a rest area, you find that out, right? Each one of us is unique. That's how God made us. But we're all traveling the same direction. There are very few rest areas that are shared by different directions, right? We're all, we're all going the same way. God has us in the same thing together. Maybe you're more progressive and, and I'm kind of conservative. Maybe you're more traditional and, and, and I'm charismatic. Maybe you vote Republican and I'm a Democrat. We're all different. It doesn't matter. It doesn't ask us for uniformity. He didn't make us to be uniform. He makes us to be united in our differences. And that's what we practice together in community. It's the beauty of, of the rest area where you get out of yourself and you get together with all other kinds of people sharing the same direction, the same journey. So we reconnect with the king. We, uh, we realize other people are on the journey with us. But then, you know, the third thing the rest area does is it prepares us to to get back on the trip, right? It, it gets us to, to recommit to the journey again. We have to merge with the traffic. We can't stay at the rest area as comfortable as that may be. You know, perhaps the best example of that in scripture, I, I love the story of Peter up on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Jesus is glorified and, and Peter, James, and John are there to share it and he's there with Moses and Elijah and man, it's just awesome. And Peter says, Lord, let me build three little shacks and, and we'll just stay here. <laughs> and scripture says, Peter said that because, why? <laughs> he didn't know what he was talking about. That's not life. Life is we, we have to get back on the journey. And so we have to recognize at the rest area that this, the rest area, is, is time to, to prepare us for the journey. And so that means what we do here has to be relevant. The worst thing we can say about church the worst thing we could say about meeting together as the people of God is that it's irrelevant. It's boring. We have so many of our young people today who say, I love Jesus. I, I just don't love the church. That is so sad. You know, I was standing in line as Secretary of State years ago before they... Uh, 
they had the triage person that could help you. you know, so it's one long line and we're weaving back and forth and we're about halfway to the front and the lady ahead of me says, oh man, this is so boring. This is almost as bad as church. <laughs> that hurt. You know, especially to a, to a pastor. This has to prepare us for the journey. This has to be the time where we learn together what it's like to, to be ready to be light and salt and to make a difference in the kingdom of God. This is, has to be the place where we dare to share our struggles and our pain and be vulnerable with each other so that we can lift each other up. And you know, this, uh, this Psalm 122 has a very particular worldview. Because if you notice there, there's, there's no division here between sacred and secular. Psalm 122 is uh, very reformed in its thinking in his worldview, which is what we need to be for this to be relevant to that. You know, listen to David. For the sake of my family and my friends, I will say, peace be within you. David is saying, for the sake of my relationships, I'm going to pray for the for the goodness of the house of the Lord. Because what happens in the house of the Lord affects everything else in my life. If I get right in my relationship with the Lord and I practice that right here, that's going to spill out into my work. That's going to spill out at my school. That's going to spill out in my recreation and how I spend my free time. Because it's all God's. It's not that this is God's and, and the rest belongs to somebody else. All of it is God. And he says, I give you opportunity every week to practice, to, to get it right so that you can go out there and be what I want you to be for other people. Because as Abram Kuyper said, there is not one square inch not one square inch of all creation of which our Lord Jesus Christ does not say, this is mine, right? Every part of our life is his. This is where we get to reconnect with God and other people and practice what it means to live that out to the glory of God. <clears throat> That's why this is so important. That's why we have to come sometimes whether we feel like it or not. Because we can act our way into the feeling, right? That's being obedient. You know, there's a story of Aesop, the Aesop's fable guy. He was playing a game of marbles with a bunch of kids in the streets of Athens. And one of his critics came by and, and started laughing at him. He said, what a waste of time. What do you think you're doing playing marbles with a bunch of kids? 
And so he, he got up and he went to a person who was standing there with a bow and he, he said, may I? And the guy gave him his bow and he, he unstrung it and he just laid it on the ground and he says, go ahead, tell me the lesson. What did I just do? And the man walked around it for a long time and he was scratching his head and a crowd was gathering and finally he says, I don't know what you did. He said, here's the lesson of the bow. You keep it strung all the time. It's going to weaken. It's going to break. There are times when you need to release it and just let it rest so that it will be ready again when you need it. That's the lesson of the rest area. That's the lesson of Psalm 122. Come together. Praise the name of the Lord. Sit under the judgment of our God. Join with those who are on the same journey and prepare ourselves to go out there and be salt and be light and to be what he needs us to be in his world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. <clears throat> thank you for often asking us to do things that, that we don't want to do. And Father, thank you not just for asking us that, but thank you for modeling that for us as well. Thank you that you did things for us that you did not want to do either, but you, you showed us how. And for that, Lord God, we give you praise and thanks. Help us in this time together to be prepared as you want us to be, to go out from here and speak the name of Jesus, to, uh, to speak Jesus into all the situations of our next week. In your name we pray, amen.